Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10 o'clock on the dot. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the 13th day of April 2023, and this is episode 704, I believe, of Bitcoin. And it appears that Nick Carter's Castle Island Ventures is working against Bitcoin as a whole again. How? Through the investment of something called Cat Labs. For the love of God, Fortune Magazine, through their subsidiary, Fortune Crypto, has this one to start us off. We're going to front load all this with the, I don't know, the the not so nice news about Bitcoin, okay? So, because these are, again, facts on the ground and it's probably good to know what's going on. So, Cat Labs, a crypto crime fighting startup led by a former Department of Justice special agent, raises $4.3 million. This is written by Leo Schwartz. Lilita Infante spent 10 years as a special agent with the Department of Justice, where she created the first ever ever federal task force focused on cryptocurrency and took down illicit networks ranging from dark web marketplaces to crimes against children. Three months ago, she decided to leave government and create Cat Labs, a forensic and cybersecurity startup focused on digital asset recovery. Keep this in mind. That's like being able to recover digital assets. And of course, everybody wants to believe, oh, well, they're the wrongdoers. They're the evildoers and they deserve that. Yeah, yeah. Well, who gets to define who the wrongdoer is? All right. You keep that in mind through the rest of this. After building the company in stealth, Cat Labs announced its launch today with $4.3 million in funding from investors, including Castle Island Ventures. That's Nick Carter's outfit. Just be aware. Brevin Howard Digital, CMT Digital, RW3 Ventures, and Newark Venture Partners. Uh, Quote, crypto has made it very easy to monetize hacks, scams, and frauds, Infante told Fortune in an interview. There are still many technological gaps in investigative technology and law enforcement that create huge backlogs of cases that basically prevents law enforcement from being able to effectively target these cases. Infante first learned about Bitcoin in 2012 from an episode of The Good Wife. She had graduated into the recession with a degree in economics and after having difficulty finding a job, understood the appeal of the disruptor technology. After joining the Department of Justice in 2012 and starting in money laundering enforcement, she was able to slowly convince her colleagues that Bitcoin would become a major vector, later volunteering to work on the first crypto-related dark web cases. During her time leading the Criminals Task Force, she worked on some of the government's major takedowns of criminal networks, including Hydra, a marketplace that accounted for about 80% of all dark web crypto transactions. Infante realized that cryptocurrency asset recovery was an area for growth and decided to create her own company, quote, 
I thought this was an opportunity of a lifetime for me to leave and actually build these tools, she said. Cat Labs, which is launching with eight full-time employees and five contractors, has two vertical scales, I guess, uh, two verticals. The first is tailored toward government clients to help them recover cryptocurrency assets from digital evidence, such as from hackers, computers, or phones. The second is crypto-focused cybersecurity for the private sector to prevent digital asset theft and secure their infrastructure architecture. I'm going to come back to that. Current solutions like the data software chain analysis are centered around on-chain solutions, whereas Cat Labs will combine those tools with bespoke off-chain recovery. Infante described them as complementary services, where Cat Labs will integrate different tools with its broader suite. Other members of the founding team include Yuri Stav, former chief security and development officer of the Digital Currency Group, and John Hayes, former DOJ lead in forensic digital asset recoveries. One early client of Cat Labs has been Rand Labs, a blockchain development firm focused on Algorand. Cat Labs was part of the incident response team for the $9.2 million exploit of Algorand wallet provider MyAlgo in late February. So that ends the article. Let's go back to this sentence right here, or these two sentences. Um, and this is discussing their quote-unquote verticals. Right? This is what they're developing. The first vertical is tailored towards government clients to help them recover cryptocurrency assets from digital evidence. The second is crypto-focused cybersecurity for the private sector to prevent digital asset theft. Let those two very disparate ideas bounce around your head for just a few seconds. One is that the government is going to have tools to recover your digital assets from your device, phone, computer, hell, maybe even hardware wallet, depending on how technically minded this group is. And the second is to help protect you from people trying to steal your digital assets. Let's replace the word steal with recover. Would you trust any service or product that comes out of cat labs in knowing that the other side of their business is to directly be able to hack the device you just bought them to safeguard your digital asset? <sighs> the fact that Nick Carter is involved with this at all, I've lost whatever respect I had left for Nick Carter. It's gone. It's just gone. That guy, I don't know. I was about to say something mean, but I'm not going to. We're just going to get on to it. David Marcus's LightSpark unveils Bitcoin Lightning platform for business, so this is good news. Alyssa Hertig has it for Decrypt.co. After a year of quiet, the well-funded Bitcoin tech infrastructure company LightSpark, founded in 2022, has unveiled a platform for Bitcoin's Lightning network aimed at onboarding businesses to the network. 
LightSpark is led by former PayPal president and entrepreneur David Marcus, who co-created Diem, a Facebook cryptocurrency product that failed to take flight after arousing the suspicions of U.S. regulators. LightSpark's announcement on Twitter calls the new LightSpark platform the first enterprise-grade entry point to the Lightning Network. Uh, but so far, Lightning products have been hard for people outside of Bitcoin to wrap their heads around. LightSpark's goal is to make it easier for enterprises to absorb. To end that, or rather to that end, Marcus tweeted a bold claim, quote, Today, the complexity and steep learning curve inherent to Lightning are gone. It's now intuitive and easy to reliably send and receive payments on the network or to build payment experiences without any of the constraints of antiquated rails. Hello, streaming money, he wrote. LightSpark joins a chorus, of, a chorus of other Bitcoin companies and open source developers focused on bringing the advantages of Lightning to a wider audience since Lightning is an open protocol that makes global payments faster, cheaper, and gives users more control than traditional digital payment systems. Last month, Twitter co-founder Jack Dorsey announced the roadmap for Spiral, which is developing a payment processing layer for the Lightning network. In October, Bitcoin-focused startup ZBD launched an open-source initiative for that network. Quote, we believe the internet badly needs an open payments pro protocol, one that works 24 hours a day, seven days a week, settles in near real time, is dirt cheap, interoperable, and open to all to build on. Money should move online like emails or text messages, and the Lightning Network has the best chance of becoming the standard protocol that enables that, and much more for everyone around the world, Marcus said. And that's the end of the article. So we have another entrant that's basically leveraging the Lightning Network to build tools for faster payments on the internet. It's, it's, it, nothing stops this train from rolling down the tracks, which is good. Because nothing is a coincidence with the government, claims U.S. lawmaker on op Operation Chokepoint 2.0, Anna Paula Perria. I guess uh, Coin Telegraph is writing this one. Uh, United States Congressperson Brian Byron Donalds criticized the country's regulatory agencies on April the 12th at a conference in New York. According to Donalds, agencies such as the SEC, the Commodities Futures Trading Commission, and others are being used to activate Operation Chokepoint 2.0 by limiting crypto business access to banking services. Operation Chokepoint 2.0 describes the United States government's alleged coordination efforts to discourage banks from working with crypto firms under the guise of ensuring safety and stability. Crypto industry commentators believe government attempts to restrict assets to the crypto, God, I hate that, the crypto sector have ramped up in 2023. Quote, what I've seen in my short time in Congress is that nothing is a coincidence with the United States government's agencies. The legislator said during a keynote speech referring to the United States government's recent crackdown on crypto, quote, they are talking across lines a lot more than they ever used to. They are finding various ways to squeeze an outcome that they want, end quote. Along with efforts to limit the banking system's exposure to crypto, Donald believes the Federal Reserve is laying the foundation for a CBDC or the central bank digital currency with recent enforcement actions being plans a large part part of a larger plan for a digital dollar. The Floridian congressperson also noted that the United States government doesn't have enough knowledge about the crypto industry to regulate it properly and through its agencies is relying on a legacy framework of 100 years to create rules and regulations for today's needs. 
to bring us into lay terms, this will be like asking a sixth grade basketball player to referee the NBA finals, he said, before urging an updated regulatory environment for digital assets. Donald also labeled SEC Chair Gary Gensler as a very arrogant individual claiming, quote, he believes he is the smartest person in every room. Donald's continued, quote, Old Washington, which is basically Washington today, loves having the alphabet soup agencies. They're all relics of a time when you had to fax in before fax machines. This is when the regulatory agencies were built. Old Washington, like anybody else, doesn't like moving off of the thing that they created, end quote. Helping regulators understand the nuances of digital assets, blockchain, and crypto more generally are necessary for a better crypto environment in the country, according to the congressperson. United States authorities appear to have resurrected past enforcement tactics to impose restrictions on cryptocurrency firms and banks serving them. The alleged strategy consists of isolating the traditional financial system from the crypto market by relying on multiple agencies to discourage banks from dealing with crypto firms, with the goal of leading crypto businesses to become completely unbanked, sources told Cointelegraph in early February. Recent reports reveal that the United States arm of global crypto exchange Binance has faced challenges in establishing a new bank partner to serve as a fiat on-ramp and off-ramp for its clients in the country. The recent failures of Silvergate and Signature Bank left Binance U.S. without banking services depending on intermediary banks to store funds on its behalf. So we have a congressperson from Florida who's an insider in Washington, D.C.'s Beltway, who's basically saying the same thing that we're all saying. This is Operation Choke Point 2.0. Now, the question becomes, is he using our language to garner curry with a what's becoming a fairly powerful political voting class, i.e. Bitcoiners, uh, because we have a tendency to be single-issue voters, right? Whether that's good or bad, I will leave it to you to decide. But it is a fact that there are many Bitcoiners that will literally vote for just somebody because they said, I like Bitcoin. Hey, it happens. Humans are humans. And they're, you know, humans are going to go around and they're going to go human. That's what humans do. Anyway, we don't know. The, the, the answer to my own question is that we, we simply don't know. We, we don't know if he's really looking at this through the through our lenses through the lens of good you know sound solid you know uh solid monetary theory i guess is a good you know better best way to put it than anything else or if he's just trying to curry favor who knows but he's at least saying it man we so we have that uh we got that to go on all right just a bit discombobulated this morning all right decrypt Ex-JP Morgan and Deutsche Bank employees have been charged with crypto fraud. Matt DeSalvo is writing it for Decrypt. A former Deutsche Bank investment banker is facing up to 20 years behind bars for allegedly committing crypto fraud. Registered broker Rashawn Russell, 27 years old. He's only 27, man. (laughs) He was arrested yesterday and will be arraigned today in New York, uh, the Justice Department said on Tuesday. Russell is charged with conning a number of investors into believing that their number money would generate big returns with altcoins, the name given to different digital assets that are not Bitcoin, the announcement said. Actually, you spelled shitcoin wrong, but whatever. When they handed over the money, 
He reportedly used it for personal gain, to gamble, and to pay back other investors, the Justice Department alleged. It further claimed that Russell fabricated documents showing investors that he was successful at turning a profit. Quote, at times, he also claimed he had developed a successful strategy to trade altcoin cryptocurrencies and that he had earned re returns for investors in excess of 100% over previous three-month periods the United States Attorney's Office Eastern District of New York indictment read, quote, as alleged, Russell turned the demand for cryptocurrency investments into a scheme to defraud numerous investors in order to fund his lifestyle. Yeah, where have we heard this before? The, this office will continue to aggressively pursue fraudsters perpetrating these schemes against investors in the digital asset markets, said U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of New York, Brian Pierce, I think is how it's pronounced. He is facing a maximum of 20 years in prison if found guilty, the announcement added. Yeah, 20 years is a long time to go away. So what was he doing? It's a Ponzi scheme. And he was lying to people. And it, it's classic. You got a guy who says, I've developed a shitcoin strategy that will give you X percentage return in X amount of months. And it's what the richest man in Babylon, the book that I really like and I really recommend people read or listen to, you can find it for free on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, type in the richest man in Babylon, you'll get the whole read, which is like back in the day when it was on CDs, it was like on four CDs. Takes about four and a half hours, maybe four hours and 20 minutes to get through. It's a good solid book, man. I highly recommend everyone read it because it brings to you ideas such as usury. Now, under normal circumstances, we, we think of usury as credit cards charging above 20%. Because that's the, from what I understand, I could be wrong. And if you're, if you're a Jew out there and you know better, please let me know. But anything over 20% interest is usury. And in Hebrew law, that's illegal. You can't do that. And you're not even, if you're, if you're Islamic, uh, of the Islamic faith, you can't charge any interest. Okay, so be that as it may. Here we are with this dude who's 27 years old. He's at freaking Deutsche Bank. And he's telling investors that he's got a strategy. It involves shit coins. It involves a usurious amount of return because usury can go both ways. If somebody's promising you like over 20% returns in a year, that's usury, right? So the richest man in Babylon says if somebody even sneezes in your direction with some, some of that language, you run and you run fast and you run away for a very long time because it's going to get you killed or worse, living under a bridge. And that's what was happening to this guy. So please, please, please use this as an object lesson, not only to run away from usurious claims, but to figure out that you might, you might want to spend four hours and 20 or so minutes listening to the Richest Man in Babylon, which you can get for free on YouTube. You don't even have to, uh, I don't even have a ref link for it <laughs> because I can't market my way out of a wet paper bag. Now, developers announce Stratum V2 update for decentralized Bitcoin mining. New, more good news, BTC Casey, Bitcoin Magazine. A new reference implementation update for Stratum V2 has been announced by developers. According to the press release, the new update is a major milestone in democratizing transaction selections, 
in pooled mining and decentralized Bitcoin as it allows miners to select transactions via a new sub-protocol and their node. The developers are inviting miners, pools, firm maker, uh, firmware makers, and the community to test the new implementation using the Getting Started Guide they've put together with CPU or actual mining devices. They also invite users' feedback after testing using this form in both clearly are underlined and their hyperlinks. So I'm, I won't you the the uh what the the URL for this article is in the show notes. I understand that the show notes are not translating well from the SoundCloud where I put them in to like Fountain because it's like apparently not respecting any of the formatting. I'm getting to it, guys. I'm getting to it. But be that as it may, even though the formatting on on Fountain is kind of screwed up, the URL for this story is here. Again, it's developers announced Stratum V2 update. Continuing on. It is recommended that new users test the software using SV1 mining devices by connecting to an SV pool, sorry, SV2 pool via translation proxy. Quote, miners will run their own template provider with the maximum fee policy the release describes. Within the transla- translation proxy sits a job negotiator that runs a sub-protocol responsible for distributing miners' templates to the pool. The press release describes how the job negotiator, in combination with the template provider, gives the responsibility back to miners or an independent third party to provide a new template, which is to select transactions, thereby making Bitcoin pool infrastructure more decentralized. According to the description of how a job negotiator works, the downstream mining farm runs a job negotiator that connects to a job negotiator run by the pool and requests a unique identifier for mining jobs using the allocate mining job token message. The pool sends back a unique token and a Coinbase output used for payouts. The downstream job negotiator then connects to a template provider which sends a new template and set new prev hash to the downstream JN job negotiator. With these, a new job can be constructed and the downstream JN sends a commit mining job message containing a proposed set of transactions to the pool. The pool always accepts the miner's proposal in the current iteration, but in the next release, miners will have the ability to fall back to a different pool or solo mine if the pool fails to accept transactions selected by the downstream's template provider. The translation proxy then sends a set custom mining job message to the pool, which verifies the work and sends back a set custom mining job success message. The translation proxy then translates the message and sends the mining.notify message to mining devices, which submit shares to the pool through the translation proxy. With the current industry adopted mining protocol Stratum V1, the handful of mining pools participates in transaction selection, which makes Bitcoin more prone to censorship. Stratum V2 is an update protocol, which ensures that transaction selection is done by the miners themselves. The community has already tested the software on several popular mining devices. The press release encourages anyone who tests on different platforms to fill out a form, and that's a hyperlink. 
With the next update, the press release says, we will add a fallback functionality that will allow miners to fall back to a different pool or solo mine in case the pool chooses not to accept their suggestions. Miners would, in that case, disconnect and fall back. Other updates include the aim to improve encryption and ensure compliance with the latest spec updates, in addition to plans to enable pools to perform spot checks on block validity. <clears throat> the most significant development will be submitting a pool request for the template provider in Bitcoin Core. The developers thank the Stratum V2 crowdfunding supporters and include a link to their Discord for those interested in being involved in the community. And those are yet two more hyperlinks in that particular paragraph. So Stratum V2 marching right along. And that's great because if you can allow miners, even if they're connected to a pool, right? You'd allow miners to select their own transactions if they want to get into the weeds on all that. And a lot of them will, I guarantee it. A lot of them will. Um, th then all of a sudden there might be somebody who just wants to be, I don't know, altruistic and take all of the backlogged transactions and put them into blocks so the people that paid one Satoshi per V-byte can actually get transactions done. Who knows? That's just pure conjecture, right? It's just take it with a box of salt, what I say, but it's, it's possible for that to happen now instead of depending on the pool to provide you with the transaction templates or rather the mining templates, which says, hey, here's the transactions this pool is gonna take and you're either gonna hash for us or you're not. In this particular case with Stratum V2, the miner can say, yeah, I'll connect to your shit. And if you don't accept the transaction selections that I have, then I'm going to say pound sand and go to another mining pool. So we're going to see probably a lot of volatility and a lot of flux in what pools are getting hash rate. Now, of course, this isn't released yet, but hopefully soon it will be because honestly, it really needs to be. Now, uh, bankruptcy of FTX news. The bankrupt crypto exchange FTX has recovered $7.3 billion in assets. This is out of Reuters. It's written by Dietrich uh, Knuth. But I want to say one thing before we get into this. For some reason, my gut reaction is to call bullshit. That's just my gut reaction. I don't know why. I can't explain gut reactions. There's no evidence behind gut reactions. It's just the way the universe talks to me when I see something. And I saw this all last night and I just kept calling bullshit. I don't know why. Bankrupt crypto exchange FTX has recovered over $7.3 billion in cash and liquid crypto assets, an increase of more than $800 million since January, the company's attorney said on Wednesday at a United States bankruptcy court hearing in Delaware. FTX attorney Andy Dietrich said that the company is starting to think about its future after months of effort devoted to collecting resources and figuring out what went wrong under the leadership of indicted ex-founder Sam Bankman-Fried. Bankman-Fried has pleaded not guilty. Quote, the situation has stabilized and the dumpster fire has been put out, Dietrich said. Bullshit. FTX has benefited from a recent rise in crypto prices. Its total recovery would be valued at $6.2 billion based on crypto prices from November of 2022 when it filed for bankruptcy after traders pulled $6 billion from the platform in three days and rival exchange Binance abandoned a rescue deal. 
The new CEO, John Ray III, has detailed improper fund transfers and poor accounting at the collapsed crypto exchange, describing it as a complete failure of control. As it looks to the future, FTX is negotiating with stakeholders about options for restarting its crypto exchange, and it may make a decision on that in the current quarter, Dietrich said. He offered few details on what a reboot might mean for FTX customers whose crypto deposits have been locked during the case. So far, FTX customers in Japan have been the only ones able to withdraw any funds so far because of that country's relatively strong crypto regulations, Dietrich said. FTX would need significant capital to restart its crypto exchange because the existing customer interface had little connection to the movement of money behind the scenes, the lawyer said. The app worked beautifully, but in truth, it was a facade, D Dietrich said. It is not clear whether FTX should use its own funds to restart the exchange rather than using the money to repay customers, Dietrich said. Restarting the exchange might require outside funding or a sale of the exchange's assets. Oh boy, FTX is also working on a preliminary Chapter 11 plan that would offer the company a path out of bankruptcy. FTX intends to file that plan by July, but it acknowledged that many details would have to be worked out as creditors fight for their share of the company's assets. FTX does not expect any Chapter 11 plan to be approved before the second quarter of 2024. Bankman Fried and several company insiders have been indicted on fraud charges. Yes, we know all that. So here's, here's I think this is why I'm getting a uh, bullshit feel, gut feeling out of this. There, on what planet do you exist where such a spectacular failure occurred and then the company starts back up and expects to receive anything like an actual customer base? This can only happen in quote-unquote crypto. Why? Because it is filled with people that are so blinded by greed with such a short attention span and such a short time preference that they are willing to do anything, include being a customer yet one more time of FTX. Let that sink in. How ridiculous of a facade is this the second thing it's like bear stearns didn't come back you know lehman brothers didn't come back the other banks that were going to fail during the 2008 crises were bought up by other banks and absorbed but bear stearns was never going to come back and it was it had a hundred year history it's one of the oldest banks on wall street it was mismanaged horribly at the end, and they got way too big to their, for their britches, which is one of the reasons why they got caught up in the whole MBS, CDO, and CDS bullshit. But be that as it may, once Bear Stearns was gone, there was never a discussion of it returning to Wall Street. And yet here we have, in my opinion, the very first instance of something of this size with this much money uh, surrounded by speak of a comeback, stay as far away from this dumpster fire as you possibly can because that dumpster fire has not been extinguished. Now, one last thing to, to say. Is it possible? I'm putting the tinfoil hat on here. Is it possible that the reason they're trying to resurrect this thing 
is because it was always a tool to destroy Bitcoin and the rest of the crypto, well, and the cryptocurrency industry, because Bitcoin's not cryptocurrency. If you don't understand that statement, I can't help you right now. We got to move on. But is it possible that it's being resurrected to finish what the mission statement of FTX was all along? And it was never an organic growth that was heralded by this, you know, wonderkind Sam Bankman fried that he was put in place. FTX was built up using funds as an operation to try to destroy Bitcoin. And because CZ pulled the plug on that entire plan, nobody could have seen that shit coming. That was, that was hilarious. I mean, that was just hilarious. But because he pulled the plug on it and then, we, and then we witnessed this spectacular collapse and now they're talking about a resurrection of FTX. I was talking about, they were talking about zombie FTX and I was reading it to you uh, in January. They were, this has, this idea of the resurrection of FTX has been an underlying thread of ideas since at least January, if not through December of last year. Do not trust these people. And you might do yourself a favor and run down to the store and go get yourself some tinfoil and wrap a baseball hat in it because this conspiracy theory is probably going to get really, really steamy. Let's run the numbers. CNBC Futures and Commodities uh, commodities, uh, except for metals are looking bad today. Oil is down almost a full point. West Texas intermediate clocking in 82.5 United States dollars. Brent North sea, likewise down a full point, $86 and 48 cents. Natural gas down over four full points, $2 almost even. Gasoline down 1.33% to $2 and 83 cents, but shiny metal rocks are doing well. Uh, we've got gold up a full, almost a point and a half to $20,053.80. Silver is up almost a full two points to $25, almost about to break 26 bucks. I haven't seen that in a long time. Platinum is up 3.79%. Copper is up 1%. Palladium is up four and a half. Ag is mostly, actually, it's fully mixed. We've got the biggest loser today being wheat, 1.8% to the downside. The biggest winner today is coffee, 3.58% to the upside. I got live cattle up scant, lean hogs down almost a full point, feeder cattle up 0.05%. I got the Dow is up 0.8. The S&P is up almost a full point. NASDAQ rocketing across 1 to 1.62%. S&P mini is up a full half of a percent. Real money doing well too, $30,377.86. That is after, what, 722,000 BTC exchanged hands in the last 24 hours. Uh, 2.26 BTC is your average transaction value. Median transaction value holds at 0.011 BTC or about 321 bucks. Block times have flipped high, 10 minutes and 45 seconds. 0.18 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 24 and a half taken in fees overall in the last 24 hour period. I'm showing a 0.77% uh, increase in hash rate to 363 exahashes per second. 
odd. We haven't had a difficulty change. And so that doesn't explain why we're at 10 minutes and 45 seconds, but whatever. 8.7 United States pennies is your Dogecoin shitcoin indicator today. Uh, so I guess the whole Ethereum upgrade, which apparently went off without a hitch yesterday, uh, occurred. So uh, I haven't really seen any repercussions or ramifications uh, other than the fact that Dogecoin is sitting at 8.7%. And that means that shitcoins in general are pretty much... I guess, okay for the last five days or so. Uh, I have, I do hear tell that ETH is about to break $2,000. Uh, uh, whatever, I don't care. $587.9 billion is the market cap for Bitcoin. That is 4.3% of gold's entire market cap. And you can get almost 15 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,345,061 uh, 0.96 of 5,414 and a half of those are in the lightning network valued at $164.5 million sporting 74,404 payment channels on the lightning network. 67.3% of all lightning network traffic's being handled over Tor. And we have a, we have a 0.0% retarget difficulty change. Nah. Or, or difficulty retarget. So that means that Clark Moody is probably offline on being able to get that information because 0.0% seems a little flat, right? Uh, retarget date is still set for April the 20th of this year. Oh, I, don't, I guess there's somebody doing some work downstairs. I, somebody's running a skill saw or something, so I might have to pause. But for now, let's move on to mempool.space where we can see what the mempool is doing or well, the mempool.space mempool. Uh, looks like we're at 89 blocks. Uh, maybe, no, just at 90. We're at 90 blocks, sporting 24,000 unconfirmed transactions. Uh, nothing looks to be being purged. Memory usage is at 353 megabytes. And as you know, 300 megabytes is the default mempool space on most people's nodes. 12 Satoshis per V-byte is the lowest priority and high priority is 21 Satoshis per V-byte. So you're going to pay around 90 cents to get a good old fashioned, simple SegWit transaction in to the next block. That's the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Take it easy, man. The philosophies behind Bitcoin and the Big Lebowski. Dudism. <laughs> Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, Hogmart, I think is how you pronounce it, wrote this one. Inspired by The Dude, the main character of the 1998 movie The Big Lebowski by the Coen brothers, Dudeism is a way of life, philosophy, and religion. The main goal of Dudeism is to apply a modern version of Taoism an ancient Chinese teaching attributed to Lao Tzu rising to prominence in the 6th century, combined with ideas from the Greek thinker Epicurus, who lived from 341 to 270 BC, in a manner that reflects the personality of Jeffrey the Dude Lebowski. Dudism emphasizes the practices of relaxing, keeping calm, and taking it easy when faced with life's challenges, guided by a belief that this is the best way to live in harmony with ourselves and with others. Bitcoin is a digital currency that operates on a peer-to-peer -peer network without relying on 
any intermediary or authority. It was created by an unknown person or group under the pseudonym Satoshi Nakamoto in 2009. Well, the paper was released in 2008, but whatever. The main idea behind Bitcoin is to enable online payments that are direct, secure, and independent of any financial institution. Bitcoin is the most popular and widely used cryptocurrency in the world. It has inspired many other cryptocurrencies that offer different features or use cases. Bitcoin's value and adoption have fluctuated over time, depending on various factors such as regulation, innovation, competition, and market sentiment. Bitcoin and Dudism are two seemingly unrelated phenomena, but they share some surprising similarities. Both are decentralized and operate peer-to-peer. Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency that operates without a central authority or intermediary, relying on a network of nodes to validate transactions and maintain consensus. Dudism is a religion that rejects dogma and hierarchy, encouraging its followers to find their own paths and to live in harmony with themselves and others. Both are inspired by cult movies. Bitcoin was created by an anonymous person or group using the pseudonym Satoshi Nakamoto, which, by my estimation, could be a reference to the character Toshiro Maifun in the film Jojimbo. As noted above, Dudism is based on the philosophy of the protagonist of The Big Lebowski, who embodies the principles of Taoism and Zen Buddhism. Both are adaptable and resilient. Bitcoin is designed to be flexible and scalable, allowing for innovation and improvement through forks and upgrades. Dudism is open to interpretation and integration, allowing for diversity and creativity among its adherents. Both are countercultural and revolutionary. Bitcoin challenges the status quo of the traditional financial system, offering an alternative that is more transparent, democratic, and inclusive. Dudism challenges the norms of the modern society, offering a lifestyle that is more relaxed, authentic, and peaceful. Dudism and Bitcoin also share some similarities in their underlying principles and values. Both are inspired by ancient philosophies that emphasize simplicity, harmony, and freedom. Both are also based on decentralized systems that don't rely on any external authority or intermediary. Both aim to provide alternatives to the con- uh, conventional ways of living and transacting that are often seen as stressful, complicated, and oppressive. Both also have a loyal and passionate community of followers who identify with their respective ethos and cultures. These are just some of the similarities between dude, Bitcoin and Dudism. Perhaps they are not so different after all. Maybe they are both ways of abiding by the same universal truth that nothing is fixed except for the Bitcoin supply and everything flows and we should just take it all easy, man. <laughs> I don't know what you think about that one. I It's not that I disagree. It's just that I think a lot of this might be kind of a stretch, but I I like the dude. And in fact, one thing that I'm getting out of this is that I should go watch The Big Lebowski for probably the seventh time and try to emulate the dude. And a lot of people actually don't know this, but uh, Jeff Bridges, which is the actor that plays the dude in The Big Lebowski, he's actually kind of like that and has been like that for years because he himself is a Zen master. He's been practicing this for years. So when you see Jeff Bridges in any movie, that you got to understand that he, the dude is sort of like Jeff Bridges himself on steroids, right? I mean, he like really just brought it all to the fore to be relaxed and calm 
and cool and collected and smooth. And I wish I could be that way all the time. Sadly, I'm not. I can work on it, but my personality, the way that I've been raised, some of the shit that I've seen, I have a tendency to be a little on edge. And I'd really like to stop that shit. So maybe watching The Big Lebowski and really concentrating on the dude's character and his reactions to the situations that form around him that are completely outside of his control, eh, yeah, maybe I should uh, study up on that a little bit. And it will help me with the following news. UK forms a Bitcoin policy organization to boost BTC education and adoption. God, I hope they're above board. Joe Hall, Cointelegraph. God save the coin. Long live the coin. A team of entrepreneurs, environmentalists, and Bitcoin advocates have assembled to back Bitcoin in Britain. The Bitcoin policy, UK, unites stakeholders, policymakers, environmentalists, tax specialists, Bitcoin experts, and miners to unlock the potential of Bitcoin in Britain and explore how the decentralized currencies industry could benefit UK households, businesses, and communities. The BPUK, BPUK, the BPUK's primary objectives are to drive investment, both generate and prepare students for the Bitcoin jobs in the future, raise awareness and education, while also exploring the use of wasted and stranded electricity and other energy sources for Bitcoin mining. Head of policy, Freddie New, told Cointelegraph that, quote, the genesis of this project was the Bitcoin Collective Conference in Edinburgh. The Bitcoin Collective Conference was the UK's largest Bitcoin conference taking place in the autumn of 2022. New told Cointelegraph via email that most of the team had been working on Bitcoin advocacy in one way or another before the conference, but coming together like this will enable us to formalize these efforts and focus on three key related areas. He continued on by saying, getting clear and correct information on Bitcoin to policymakers and regulators highlighting the environmental and sustainability benefits of the mining industry, and collating and providing educational resources for the next generation of Bitcoiners, end quote. Some of the advisors and board members are familiar to Cointelegraph readers. Author and journalist Decentra Sues, whose son recently introduced Bitcoin to the classroom as a director, while Jordan Walker, co-founder of the UK Bitcoin Collective, and Mark Morton are advisors. Morton's Bitcoin mining company, Skilling Digital Mining, was featured in a recent Cointelegraph mini-documentary. Walker told Cointelegraph that BPUC is an important piece of the collective puzzle to drive Bitcoin education in the UK. Quote, it's time for the United Kingdom to step up when it comes to embracing new technologies such as Bitcoin. Otherwise, we risk getting left behind, end quote. New told Cointelegraph that BPUC is not-for-profit. To operate, it hopes to raise funds through the community, tapping into the growing trend of funding projects with Satoshis or small amounts of BTC via the Lightning Network, a layer 2 instant payment solution built on top Bitcoin. Part of the team's mission is to locate and harness renewable, wasted, or stranded energy sources across the UK. New explained, quote, We're working to identify potential sites for sustainable mining, and our aim is to develop some small mining installations to use as proof-of-concept sites. He continued with the plan. We can then invite British policymakers to these sites so they can see mines in action and hopefully understand 
more about the industry's potential to mitigate vented methane, provide demand response for renewable grids, or simply act as a customer for energy that is otherwise wasted. The UK has burgeoning renewable energy sources, but lacks a hash rate. According to the Cambridge Center for Alternative Finance, the UK supports 0.23% of the global monthly hash rate compared to the United States, 37.84%. This is partly due to electricity costs in the UK exceeding that of the US and Asia, but also due to Bitcoin mining awareness or lack thereof in the UK. Moreover, Legacy media platforms have taken aim at the Bitcoin mining industry in recent years. The Guardian critiqued Bitcoin as digital beef instead of digital gold. The BPUC highlights that in light of the UK's departure from the European Union, it could develop a Bitcoin and cryptocurrency regime separate from that of MICA in Europe. The European Parliamentary Co uh, Committee on Markets in Crypto Assets, or MICA, may threaten Bitcoin mining on the continent. BPUC co-founder Krista Edmonds took inspiration from El Salvador's decision to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender in 2021. Edmonds explained, quote, the UK has an immense opportunity to become one of the first jurisdictions globally to embrace Bitcoin. We have seen what is possible in El Salvador, which is experiencing huge gains due to its forward-thinking approach to Bitcoin. The UK can secure a similar competitive advantage, and we hope to support the British people in making that happen, end quote. On the government side, the policy group will have an opportunity to educate and inform. Lisa Cameron, a member of parliament and chairperson of the Crypto and Digital Assets All-Party Parliamentary Group, told Cointelegraph in an interview last year, quote, we're on a learning curve and it's just very, very important because the UK government has a policy vision that the UK will become an international hub of cryptocurrency and digital assets. She added that there was some confusion surrounding Bitcoin, CBDCs, and cryptocurrencies. As a Bitcoin-only organization, thank God, Director New explains that ultimately the BPUC seeks to make sure that Bitcoin is included in the government's proposals, if not at the front and center. So we'll have to see how these guys operate. We'll have to see their effectiveness. Um, I'm glad to see it. I'm always happy to see it, but... You know, sometimes I just get little hackles on the back of my neck stand up, so, you know, sometimes. And the only way to get those hackles back down is to see what they actually produce. But this is sort of like the Bitcoin Policy Institute over here in the United States. And if they're anywhere close to as effective as BPI is, then I expect some really good things to come out of this. And remember what I said. Now, see, now, here it is. We've got the Bitcoin Policy Institute in the United States that's been helping draft legislation to safeguard Bitcoin mining in the United States. So what else is in the United States besides mining? A shitload of Bitcoin full nodes, as far as we know. Now we're going to have like a, a sister industry, or well, a sister institute over in the UK and Europe in general, which includes the UK, even if the UK isn't in the European Union, also has a shit ton of Bitcoin full nodes. We're, there's, Brazil, today, this morning, the president said that they want to get they want to get as far away from the U.S. dollar as they can, right? Just made publicly saying this shit needs to end. So the one place that Bitcoin seems to be the most centered upon is the one place that has pissed the rest of the world off, 
and they're starting to think about different currencies. And if the United States and Europe want to maintain any semblance of relevancy going forward into the future, then they better embrace Bitcoin. And it just so happens that there's a shitload of Bitcoiners in both those places. What do you think about that? Let me know through a boostagram which I don't have any of today, except for Nick underscore doses general 369 boost with cheers. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate that. Now, on to this one, Bitcoin Magazine, Peter Chawaga, A Better World Through Financial Freedom, Why Preston Pish is Bullish on Bitcoin 2023. As part of an investment-focused podcast that recently surpassed 100 million downloads, Preston Pish describes the basics of Bitcoin and explores its investment case, distilling some of the most prescient aspects of the technology for listeners who might not realize just how important that it is. He has a knack for hosting the most knowledgeable guests to break down the most pressing topics. For instance, Pish has released recent episodes describing Texas's evolving Bitcoin mining policy with Pierre Rochard, one exploring the state of the legacy financial system with Alf Picatiello, and one explaining decentralized social media platform Nostra with developer William Kassarin. Pish constantly hosts timely, in-depth conversations with insightful guests, providing one of the best outlets for exploring. How is this just a, not a fucking advertisement for Preston Pish? Sorry, guys. I'll get. I'm going to skip that. Get to get to one of the quotes here. Quote, I suspect one of the hot topics that will be discussed is the central bank's inability to get inflation under control and what that means for Bitcoin, Pish said in an interview with Bitcoin magazine. It seems like OPEC Plus and BRICS nations are trying to exercise their control of energy production and distribution in the face of Western central bank policies that attempt to control interest rates and sanctions. I expect this situation to get really intense in the second and third quarters of this year, and the knock-on effect is going to demonstrate the lack of control that policymakers have over the price of fiat currencies. End quote. <clears throat> While such a precarious economic situation is wreaking havoc in the form of wealth debasement and uncertainty across the world, Pish remains optimistic about Bitcoin, the asset as a solution, and bullish about its path for 2023. <clears throat> quote. Bitcoin's long-term hodlers display a level of conviction that I've rarely witnessed in any other asset class. As central banks, sorry, as central bank policies grow increasingly manipulative, I anticipate that by the end of 2023, we'll witness these institutions lose a degree of control, injecting an unprecedented volume of fiat currency into the global economy. Consequently, I expect Bitcoin to thrive and yield substantial gains relative to any other asset class as the year draws to a close, end quote. Perspective on the technical advancements of Bitcoin and their implications, implications in addition to his well-demonstrated expertise on more traditional finance is what makes Pish a unique and powerful advocate. It is with this perspective that he highlighted the progress made with one project in particular since the Bitcoin 2020, 2022 event. Quote, since the last conference, I'm thrilled by the ongoing developments in the Bitcoin community, particularly those related to Fediments or Federated Mints, Pish reflected. 
these implementations operate with a federation of guardians to manage funds rather than a centralized entity and integrate seamlessly with Bitcoin's Lightning Network. The impressive progress on this front has been made amid Bitcoin price dips, demonstrating the ingenuity and unwavering commitment of the Bitcoin community in driving substantial software infrastructure development and other essential building blocks, end quote. Like Pish's podcast, the Bitcoin conference is designed to showcase the most insightful voices on any and every front of this monetary technical revolution. It's a place where problems are exposed and a foundational solution is explored. For Pish, Bitcoin 2023 will be a chance to do what he does best as a content creator, discourse with the brightest minds on earth, and help others learn as he does. Quote, these offerings or These gatherings, good Lord, Dave, these gatherings offer a chance to unite with individuals who share a profound understanding and appreciation for a better world through financial freedom and empowerment. All of the panel discussions are thought-provoking and important for my own personal growth, not to mention, how can you not love Miami? All right, so Peter Chihuahua with his great big advertisement for Bitcoin Magazine, the Bitcoin 2023 conference, and Preston Pish's uh, podcast is now over. Um, but I like Preston. Now I don't normally listen to his podcast, uh, for very, you know, for various reasons, because I just, I like the more, I don't, I like the guys that have a little bit more dirt on them. You know, the guys that are broadcasting, you know, in a corner of a room or, you know, underneath the sewer grate on the side of the road. I mean, those of us that have been dragged through the mud, I don't think Preston Pish has ever, really understood what it's like to just, you know, I don't know, not be ultra successful all the time. And that's fine. I, more power to the guy, you know, he's seems like he's an uh, okay, cool guy and all that kind of stuff. But this that I just read you is basically a giant ad (laughs) and I apologize for that. But these are cold reads, ladies and gentlemen, and a cold read is this. I haven't read through this before. Okay. Now a lot, there are some people that will say, well, that's unintelligent. That's a stupid thing to do. No, not really. Because everybody that gets a hold of these, uh, news articles that I'm giving you today, they have the same chance of reading halfway through it or all the way to the end before they're like going, what the hell was that? This is just a mirror image of your experience. If you were to pick up a magazine or if you were to go to one of these websites and start reading the news, I just read it for you so that you can drive your car or wash your dishes or do some gardening or do whatever it is that you're going to do so you can have hands free. And I'll, I'll read you the stuff that you would have to sit in front of a computer and literally get nothing else done. That's why I do this. And cold reads I've found are... I think it's just, I honestly think it's better because I get to react to something like the fact that I just read a whole advertisement for Bitcoin magazine. I think they should probably sponsor this podcast so that they can then pay me for advertising them. Montana's right to mine crypto bill has passed the house, brothers and sisters. Svel Mutlu has it for Cointelegraph. The bill seeking to enshrine crypto miners' rights in the United States state of Montana, successfully passed the third reading in the state's House of Representatives. Now the only thing required to become law is the governor's signature. This means that it's passed out of the Senate. Bill number 178, prohibiting local authorities from obstructing the crypto mining operations, was passed during the third reading by 64 votes on 
to 35 on April the 12th. That was yesterday. The legislation has already passed through the Senate voting back in February. It will now make it to the desk of Governor, Governor Greg Giaforte. While Giaforte has the right to veto the bill, it's unlikely that he'll do that, as he belongs to the Republican Party along with the bill's sponsor, State Senator Daniel Zolnikov. The legislation aims to establish a digital asset mining right and forbid any discriminatory electricity rates charged to cryptocurrency miners. Additionally, it seeks to safeguard mining operations that take place at home and remove the authority of local governments to utilize zoning laws to impede crypto mining activities. The bill also bars any extra taxes on using cryptocurrencies as a means of payment. It categorizes digital assets comprising cryptocurrencies, stable coins, and non-fungible tokens as personal property. The amended bill draft contains one significant change compared to the original draft, with Section 3 slightly shortened. The old version of Section 3 occupied almost three pages and included several articles unrelated to crypto mining. Now, Section 3 outlines three specific areas limiting the power of local authorities, including a restriction on imposing different requirements on mining centers from those... What did I get here? Hold on. Okay, uh, I got a message that I that I really needed to read. Sorry about that, guys. Um, including a restriction on imposing different requirements on mining centers from those on data centers. Additionally, authorities can't prevent crypto mining in industrial areas or private homes. In early April, a bill protecting crypto miners from discriminatory regulations and taxes passed through the Arizona House of Representatives and their Senate and now also awaits the governor's decision. This is like the fourth or fifth state that has a cryptocurrency right to mine bill going on. And they're in various forms. Some have already passed. Some are just about to get passed. Others are still in committee. Some are on the floor of either the representatives or the Senate at the House of Rep at the at the state house of whatever respective states. A lot of this, if not all of this, is one of the functionaries in driving this. This legislation is who? The BPI. Uh was the the uh Bitcoin Policy Institute. And we just read that that you know that story about their sister thing, and it's not their real sister. It's not like they. It's not like they're you know taking some of their people from BPI and sending them over to the UK. No, that's grassroots from over there. And if they're just as effective over there as BPI is being over here, and they are effective because this is coming directly from help from BPI to how to write the legislation, how to get it introduced. BPI helps state legislatures with all of that. That's one of the reasons why they exist. If the UK starts doing the same shit and starts having the same effect, oh my God, great things are on the horizon, ladies and gentlemen. Last one up for this morning. Argentina's National Security Commission approves Bitcoin futures. This is from Coindesk yesterday by Andres Engler. Argentina's National Securities Commission authorized the launch of a Bitcoin index-based futures contract on Tuesday. The contract is to be based on the Bitcoin index of Matba Rofex, an Argentinian stock exchange with negotiation and settlement in Argentinian pesos. 
Quote, the measure adopted through a resolution is intended to adapt to the regulatory challenges imposed by new technologies for the provision of financial products. It also seeks to promote the development of new and innovative products by its regulated entities in the capital markets. In February, the CNV said it would establish and regulate requirements to be followed by crypto companies in that country, a competence specified in a reform of the money laundering prevention law that is being discussed in the Argentine Congress. So yet one more futures contract. So the only good news about this, because I don't really like these instrumentations anyway, but I don't have shit to say about it, is the fact that this is happening not in Brazil, not in Canada, but in Argentina. Argentina or Argentina, however you want to pronounce it, is one of my favorite places, even though I've never been there, because it so looks like Texas. And what is its major, you know, major industry? It's ranching. It's cattle ranching. And the Argentinian people really know how to put on a beefsteak. I mean, oh my God, they know how to cook beef because they've been doing it for like, you know, well over a hundred years in either event. It's good to see that at least something about Bitcoin is being profligated in Argentina. I, I'm like South America, Central America, all of Latin America, you know, and I said it in the, uh, basically made sure that I said it and reiterated it in the artwork for yesterday's show where I show a map of Central America and it's from Panama all the way up to, uh, to oh God, what was it? Oh, Colombia. I can't remember. I'm I'm, ge I'm geographically just all thumbs. But Central America is the most critical and strategic location for Bitcoin, in my opinion. If you get the Honduras, El Salvador's already on board, but if you get, you know, Nicaragua, Honduras, uh El Sal or uh, Costa Rica and Panama, oh my God. Because that, that connects North America and South America. It, the domino then falls both ways. I really do think that the strategic location for the bulk of our attention are, you know, I think more conferences should be down there. I think more conferences for Bitcoin and Noster and things like that should be in Costa Rica and El Salvador. If we can get Honduras and Nicaragua to stop killing each other on the fucking streets and get their act together, then all of a sudden you've got a land bridge and you have to cross Bitcoin country going from Mexico all the way to the top of South America. You have to navigate through Bitcoin country. Could you imagine? What that would entail, the Panama Canal would be part of Bitcoin country. I'm just saying, man, I think we should think very seriously about turning our attention and really, you know, if you're, if you're close to Africa, turn your attention to Africa. If you're closer to Central America, we should probably be turning our attention to Central America because right now the West has got their thumbs firmly planted up both their asses and honestly, I, they're going to be the last to adopt no matter what happens, no matter how much of a gut feeling I've got between the fact that all these node, you know, locations are popping up in the very places that the rest of the world wants to leave. It doesn't matter. The West is going to be achingly slow to figure it out. So we've got to go to the places where they are very quick on the switch.
right? And that, in my opinion, for where I'm closer to is Central America. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Thursday joke day, dad says jokes. I got the body of a porn star. All my clothes say triple X. If you're that fat, uh, you know, if you can, it's always good to to lose some weight. And you know what one of the best ways to do that is? Walking. Seriously. I knew a girl uh, that I grew up with. She lived on our, uh, down the block and she was like five, six years younger than I was. And she was, for whatever reason, she was pudgy and she didn't like it. And she started walking and she walked like every day for like three years. And she started doing that when she was like 11 years old. She determined at that point, she was like 11 and she's like, nah, I ain't doing this. I'm just like, whatever. And she didn't, you know, it's not like she went and got a gym membership. She's what, 11 or 12. So for like three straight years, you see her every single day with a Walkman on her belt you know, if you ever remember the Walkman where you put a, an actual cassette tape in and listen to it on headphones and it had like six AA batteries that always went dead like within a week. Uh, yeah, she did that and lost all of it. It was amazing just walking. You know, and a lot of people like this, they just don't, they, we have this tendency as humans to go to the most obfuscated, complicated, idea that we can possibly do to get some outcome X when the real answer is like, you want to lose weight, then walk a lot and understand that time preference has most, if not everything to do with the selection of something that's highly complicated to do X or something that's very, very simple to do X very, very simple, always takes a longer time. So she had, even back in the 80s at 11 years old, she had a longer time preference and it worked. We can do that with money. We can do that with our housing. We can do that with our homesteading. We can do that with learning how to raise chickens. If we just want to jump into raising, like you, for whatever reason, feel anxious that you don't have chickens, then you already know that you are firmly going to fail if you get chickens. Because you're not going to do it right. You're going to skip steps. Don't do that. You've got to have a good reason why you want chickens, right? And you've got to examine the situation. That takes longer periods of time than just pulling the trigger, going to tractor supply and getting chickens, and then dealing with all the fallout because you pulled the trigger too early and didn't take the time to actually look at what this entails, right? From the complicated to the simple. The, the same story is always there. You want to lose weight, walk it off, and understand that it will take three years. And if you're, if you can, if you're good with the last part of that, if that last part doesn't perturb you in any way, then you will lose all the weight you want to lose, and you'll probably do it in three years. Just by walking and listening to Bitcoin, and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and... And I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.